There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast all about clothes, but not in the way you might imagine. This is our 20th Zoom episode and was recorded in August 2020. If you haven't heard the others, what are you waiting for? We've had some incredible guests. You can find them all as podcasts or videos at mywardmal.com, where you can also see our pyjama party and join us by emailing your own clothing tales or anything else you fancy to help at mywardmal.com. Finally, please do subscribe, rate and review and follow us on the usual socials at MyWardMal. Right, on to today's special guest, someone I've admired for some time and been dying to speak to in person. It's principal dancer of the Royal Ballet, actress and fashion fanatic Francesca Haywood. So, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors and find out what's inside. Oh my goodness, so there's, there's a few, actually there aren't many things I'm obsessed with, um, but I am obsessed with ballet, and today I am with, I can't quite believe it, Francesca, Francesca, is it Frankie or Francesca? Professionally, I like to be Francesca, but you yeah. call me Frankie, I like Frankie, Frankie. Yeah, everyone calls me Frankie, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe you are so young and you are a principal ballerina at the Royal Opera House for the Royal Ballet. Yes, yeah, that happened, I don't know, like uh, three years ago or something, I mean, this year doesn't really count, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. And so yeah. you were how old, Frankie, when you became principal dancer? Um, I'm super bad at maths, but I think I was promoted into 2016, so and I'm 28 okay. now. Okay. So. And so can you be like Margot Fontaine, do you think, and go on until you're 90? I mean, I know she wasn't 90, but she was pretty ancient, wasn't she? I mean, honestly, there are. I think there are so many more dancers now that are dancing much later than is normal, because obviously our career is normally sort of like... Similar to like a, a footballer's probably, like mid-30s, 40s, you need to see how your body's feeling. I mean, I I have so much respect for the dancers that are still dancing in their fifties now, but like I'm not sure I'm cut out for that. I don't know. I feel like when I'm hobbling into the studio, I'm like I'm not sure if I can keep doing this for like another thirty years. But we'll see. We'll see. Because the training is, from what I've seen, the training is more insane than being a, an Olympian. You put yourself through so much pain, and it is relentless, isn't it? I mean, I think. Also in lockdown, what I've really been doing is watching a lot of old Olympics videos. Okay. It's really fascinating. Yeah, like watching like, um, I don't know, like the running, the diving. Yeah. So obviously I have like so much respect. I have so much respect for the athletes and everything. But then it's also like I've been comparing what I do as well. And I mean, it's impossible, obviously, to like they get points, you know, and it's about winning or losing. And I feel with yeah. my art form, there's just so much more to it. It's not as simple as that. But... I say the biggest 
difference is just probably like we're always doing shows so it's like those athletes have like one race in mind and they train yeah. train train for that one race which is similar but there's you know i'll have a show on monday and then i'll have a i'll be rehearsing all day tuesday like three other different ballets and then might have to get up and do a completely different ballet on wednesday you know what i mean so it's like the the rest time and the recovery that it's like trying to figure out how to to do that and still be in this like tip-top like race condition you know what I mean is like I say yeah that totally well I don't but I can imagine yeah yeah <laughs> but do, have you so in lockdown you've done a few a few um live live performances obviously not in front of um an audience but for the Royal Opera House and I mean how have you tra trained have you been able to get to a studio no so um I started off in my tiny little flat in central London and it was me and my boyfriend doing class in the same room and it was just impossible it was like every time I lifted my leg we were we, we were both touching legs and kicking each other and it, just, <laughs> yeah. it was like impossible I was like on week one I was like this is I don't know how long this is gonna last but I don't think I can do this um so yeah we are very very lucky we have a yoga studio that's um we've been given the keys to downstairs so they're not using the yoga studio so yeah, we luckily like had to buy a ballet bar, which I've never had to do in my life. So I had to like, yeah. you know, fork, fork out a couple of hundred pounds are expensive. Um, to, and yeah, then to install have... it. Yeah, actually that was the easy bit. It was super easy to, oh. to do even for me. Um, but yeah, no, I before that I was, everyone was just holding on to like, you know, kitchen counters, chairs, which is kind of sweet in a way because it's like ballet dancers aren't very glamorous people like we travel a lot we literally do use like whatever we can find most of the time we don't expect you know like luxury and perfect conditions and lots of equipment but it kind of like took everyone right back to basics it was like kind yeah. of like when you start when you start out doing ballet you know like I used to use um like the armchair in the living room and pretend it was like my partner behind me you know like watching a video of like Margot Fontaine and Rudolf Nureyev and then, and then the chair would be like holding me up in an arabesque and I'd be like so it kind of reminded that's me of so like going sweet. back to those kind of days. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. And did you, I mean, did you, when you were watching all the athletes and old Olympics, is, was there anything that you could take out from, from what they were doing? Or have you watched them training that you could adapt to staying fit for ballet? Honestly, I, I, I'm a firm believer that no matter like how much gym you do you can do all sorts of other things pilates like nothing really prepares you for being in ballet condition apart from just doing more ballet yeah but obviously you know obviously it's going to help but um i think what i love to see was more of the zone the like the way they get they get into the zone like their mindset um like how they were handling any setbacks you know what i mean like all that i find the like psychological side of watching them yeah. very fascinating um and quite similar to and but I generally think that I would love to for ballet dancers to start working more with athletes, with other kinds of dancers. Um, like I have some friends that do like amazing, like I have a friend who can just do like a crazy backflip. He can just be still talking to you like this and then he'll just do a backflip all the way around no. with, with, with no with no preparation. And that's something that no. as yeah with, with as, as spectacular as ballet is when when the men are about to do one of their biggest tricks they do this like enormous sort of like run into it and I was thinking how amazing if we could combine the two things you know if we could learn from each other a bit more and like we could um push ballet even further like that yeah so is that something that you're you're getting more involved in because I can imagine in a way I mean I don't know but is it ballet sort of hasn't really 
It's not that it hasn't evolved. I mean, obviously, there's modern ballet and there's the different types of ballet. But in terms of training, it's probably the same as it's always been, isn't it? Whereas, you know, in sport, it's evolved and it's you've got various different bits of machinery and, and like you say, the kind of mental approach. Um, yeah. Ballet's sort of always been the same, hasn't it? Yeah, I have to say it's it's one of those things that you can... We have to push it further in other ways, but you really can't... It like has to kind of stay as what what it is, and yeah, especially like we have so we have so much more like sports science. Obviously, like we have an amazing healthcare suite, the Royal Ballet, and everything, and and you and you can do all that stuff, and it can improve you. But I think honestly, there's with ballet like the good old fashioned approach is like the best way to be honest. Mm. So yeah, yeah, and so I mean, you're you must be most days you're just in sweats or a little mini tutu or leggings or I mean don't you get frustrated by having to wear that every day do you miss dressing up because I think you're someone who loves fashion and loves clothes I do um yes yeah, so I've always thought this is really funny because I love fashion I'm constantly buying things and then I just wear the same thing literally every single day like that's not a joke I just wear just like baggy black trousers I'm always in trainers obviously because I don't want to wear uncomfortable shoes before I start my day in point shoes um like just baggy things that I'm going to take off super quick and then I'll get into like my leotard and really unattractive like tracksuit bottoms that I actually found for five euros in um there was like a Woolworths in Germany I was doing a show there and they lost my suitcase and I bought these I went into the Woolworths and bought these like you know pretty just standard pretty hideous five euro tracksuit bottoms men's ones and I love them I wear them literally every single day like they actually have a hole in them and I have to sew them up soon but then but I think I guess when you're you know when you're performing there's so much goes into the preparation in terms of the costumes and the makeup and you're there and you're playing a role for you to then just go oh those spring on those sweatpants must be a relief I can I can see that absolutely yeah I mean also I think I think also because I'm small, I'm very small, I'm five foot two. How tall are you? And, um, oh, tiny. Um, so I think because I'm small, yeah, I think because I'm small and I'm a ballerina, everyone expects me to, like, want to wear cute stuff or, like, wear pink and stuff like that. And I think subconsciously that's something I've always tried to be, like, very far away from. Yeah. And so I love to wear big baggy black things in my spare time because I guess I get to do the whole like princess tiara yeah. tutu. I can try all kinds of crazy things on stage um, and have my moment yeah. looking cute and then go back to being a bit more real. So where, <laughs> in my where do you get your clothes from? Where do you go? Where do you shop mainly? Uh, I actually have, you know, near to a shopping problem. At least like I'm just constantly on my phone. Like I'm always okay, online clothes, always. Um, yeah online I do love to be in the shop don't get me I love but I just yeah. don't get that time a lot yeah no I I totally hear you I'm constantly looking at basically you're someone who wears um like 10% of her wardrobe 90% of the time absolutely yeah my, my wardrobe is literally it's kind of uh it's pretty funny actually it's just literally if you look at it it's all black pretty much this is a rare day where I'm wearing Colour shirt, blue shirt. Colour. Um, literally, if I'm wearing something other than black, all my friends will comment on it. So, um, but it's literally just black black boots, like chunky black boots, um, sort of 
not tight black trousers, jeans, um, and then yeah, just like a cashmere, black cashmere jumper. And I have this amazing like big oversized coat that I wear in winter. And that's okay. me done really. And, that's like, and that's, that's it. it. But don't you just, yeah. is, there, is there any look that you would lo you know, long to adopt, that you'd love and you look and you think, oh God, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to wear that. And then you can't be bothered. But is there something that you, you'd love to, or someone that you'd love to dress like? I do, I do. I think I do, like, I'm really drawn to the, the like, laid back, didn't really try look. So I don't often look at girls that have really made an effort and think, I wish I looked like that. I look at them and think, oh, they look amazing, but I know I'll never make that effort. And I've come to realise that I can't keep complaining about, oh, I hate my hair or I hate this outfit if I'm not making an effort. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, what can you do? But it's like, it's the Scandinavian girls. I love the way, it's like my daughters, they follow a couple of girls from um, Sweden or Norway, I can't remember which, and they've got that kind of real effortless yeah. cool so they'll wear something they'll just wear you know really shitty old sweatpants but then they'll wear them with a those with a pair of gucci loafers or something so it's very yeah. laid back and then they'll have a cool little beanie and then some great earrings and it is i think i i, I agree with you the kind of the thing that i aspire to as well is to, is to look good with as though i haven't made any effort whatsoever which is quite hard to pull off yeah, I think I'm trying to make more of an effort just making it look like my face is washed and everything and like clean and like do my, I don't wear a lot of makeup, but just making me look like a fresh version of myself. And then, yeah, then I like to look like I just chuck something on, which I probably did. <laughs> but yeah, yeah even if I go yeah. out, like I remember, I remember going um, out for the first time in Liverpool, like when I was about 18 and I'd be going out in London before that, um, and obviously everyone in London, that again, it's the goal is to look like you didn't really try and yeah. you didn't make an effort because um, that's cool. So I, And I went to Liverpool and these girls, I couldn't believe how much they started. I was sort of around town on Friday afternoon and they'd already started doing like their hair in rollers and they're walking around doing what? their like errands with their hair in rollers preparing for Friday night, like going out, you know, it's serious, it's serious. And um, and then I was I was out and I was there in my jeans with a pair of heels. I basically was wearing what I wore in the day and then I just put like a pair of heels on and they were just looking at me with pity, like, is she okay? <laughs> it was like two different cultures, like two different, two different tribes. <laughs> also another thing I like to do is put on big earrings. That's like my Your thing that said, yeah, I made an effort today somehow. So, yeah. yeah, I love. I'm normally wearing gold. I love gold jewelry. So yeah. Yeah, well, gold is really good. Good for your skin tone and black. You're lucky that you you can wear black, and look good in it. But do you find it quite hard to find clothes because you are very um, petite and I imagine you know teeny tiny skinny and because you're so fit. Yes, I have to have pretty much everything altered, especially trousers. Trousers is like. <laughs> the holy grail to find something that I put on first time and it's the right length. <laughs> so if you could change, um, Frankie, one thing about your body, what would it be? Well, I definitely have a smaller chest <laughs> for about, you know, I'm a ballerina, so that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm okay with it. I'm making my peace with it. It's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd, I'd probably say I could, I just always like dancers. I think this is a thing for dance everywhere, just longer like slimmer legs always I'm not saying they're huge I'm not saying they're huge but always I would just love that like as as lengthy as possible because I have quite muscly um like 
quite muscly thighs. So yeah, if I could streamline myself with a magic wand, that would be amazing. But, but then you have to have those thighs, don't you, to have the power to do what you do. Yeah, I mean, it's my body shape as well, and I have to accept it and love it, and obviously yeah. I'm healthy and happy and all that stuff. So. Yeah, all that <laughs> bullshit, but you'd still really like them with thinner legs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Have you ever had a bad wardrobe malfunction? You know what, I just, I mean, I always, if I tend to push the boat out and wear something, like on an evening out, like I just hate when I'm fiddling with something, and that's usually if something's like a v-neck I'm always worried like you know I haven't got the chest to fill something out but if I reach you know for something I'm just constantly thinking oh, someone see my nipple or something <laughs> so I hate those moments yeah. um but to be honest I've had more of those moments on stage like I have genuinely been on stage well like my, my costume broke like the second before I went on stage or I just came on did like the first thing and I just felt something go and I could just feel the air on my chest and I was like no this is not good no, <laughs> I was dancing with no. lots of yeah I mean obviously it's not big dramatic and I was dancing with all the men first they had to like lift me and pass me you know between them and I was I'm like this goddess like creature in a show a big show like <laughs> one of my first shows of his big ballet called Rhapsody and I remember just knowing and just trying to keep eye contact with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff was probably showing, but I couldn't even, I couldn't look down on stage and check either. So, but, you know, and just having to like not let it affect my, you know, the steps and stuff. The and then show. I, I ran off stage and, and it was one of those things where it's exhausting. So every time you get a moment in the wings, you just want to be relaxing. And it was like the only time I got to relax. And instead I have like three costume people trying to put a safety pin on it, which is also super dangerous because I was about to do a part of the, And I was thinking, oh my God, we could get caught. I could prick him with the safety pin, like all kinds of things. <laughs> so um, I think I forgot about it until after the show. And I was like, oh, it's a miracle. Nothing happened. No, no, no more drama. And then I said to my partner, did you, did anything? Is your, are your fingers okay and everything? He's like, yeah, fine. I was like, well, that was a miracle. So, <laughs> I can't. I mean, how you manage to go on doing something like that? Because in ballet, it's not just the, it's not just memory, but it's the acting and it's the, the taking on that role and trying to translate so much. It's almost like being a mime artist, isn't it? Yeah, and I do think that the audience they sniff fear. They're like, you know, they sniff yeah. when you seem unsure if if I had like a panicky moment I'm sure they would have been able to tell so like part of the skill is just everything's always fine you have to everything's always fine yeah. so that everyone can relax and enjoy it even if it's chaos inside your head <laughs> but that must take a certain amount of maturity to get to that stage I mean there must be younger um dancers who find that kind of thing quite difficult if something happens which it must do a lot like you forget a step or you go in the wrong direction or I don't know that must be part of to have that kind of mental um dedication and strength must come with maturity I think it's something you are kind of more like that as a person or not to start with and mm. then the job teaches yeah. you to kind of you know really I think I'm always, everyone always tells me I'm really chilled, which is funny because I don't always feel very chilled, but in moments of crisis, I think I am able to do the opposite of panic somehow. Yeah. I think it's called denial, I think it's denial actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But, but it's kind of like, it's a, so I guess to be principal is, is more than just physically, obviously you've got to have the physical talent and the gift, but it's a holistic set of attributes it's the flexibility, it's being able to act, it's being, I think beauty is important with for a ballet dancer, um, and grace, and then mental strength. I suppose you've got to have all these things. I think the mental strength is something that isn't spoken about enough, like definitely, mm. obviously, all the other things, but I think, honestly, you literally won't make it as a dancer, no matter how good you are if you haven't got a sound mind or you're able to be resilient or just to adapt and just be stronger in your mind definitely um and it's funny I do a lot of and um, this is not me sort of boasting about myself I'm, I'm not boasting mm. about me personally I'm sort of talking about I suppose like what ballet training gives you so even even dancers who haven't become professional but sort of did the whole eight years at ballet school um and they obviously have to go back in terms of academics but they're, and it's something that I am told if I do jobs sort of, for example, I did a video underwater, like I had to be in a water tank and I'm a bad swimmer, but I had to be able to hold my breath, um, go down, do the choreography and then make a signal to say I was ready to be like shot back to the surface by a free diver who was there to help me. Um, sort of jobs like that and even just doing like sort of, you know, modeling jewelry on, on a photo shoot set kind of thing. Everyone always talks about um, the fact that for all dancers, not just me, that we don't complain, <laughs> that we sort of just kept going for the whole day, that our general stamina, mental and physical is just sort of surpasses that of, you know, the usual candidates they choose for the job, like an actual, you know, diver or uh, a model, you know. So I'm like, well, that's just ballet training, I think. It's kind of yeah. military almost. Brutal. It's brutal, isn't it? Frankie, you were on the cover of Vogue, weren't you, as well? So, I mean, that must have been, for someone who loves fashion and beauty and everything, that must have been one of the most amazing moments for you. That was incredible. That was when they made that phone call to say, um, yeah, Edward would like you to be on the cover of Vogue. I was thinking, just needed about 10 minutes just to process. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was just still, I mean, still. Who took the photos? It was, yeah. Peter Lindbergh, so yeah, he sadly died oh, about wow, a couple he died. months after. Oh, yeah. So I just, I feel so, so fortunate to have met him. He was amazing. I remember kind of telling everyone about him after the shoot because, I don't know, he was like, he was one of the first people I met and he just came down whilst I was having my makeup done and he was just so normal and you and you were expecting, you know, someone who's that iconic in mm. the fashion industry and he was just wearing 
like you know sweet little like combat trousers and and he just had his camera and he was um showing everyone the pictures he'd taken of Greta Thunberg the week before um and he you could just see the way he was wow. showing his work it, it wasn't with any um he was just so like passionate about it in such a humble way and he was saying yeah. look look I think I managed to capture her smile there I managed to get her there like and and seeing that and the way he was talking to everyone I was just I was really touched and then yeah. really devastated to hear that he'd gone but yeah no he was he really took some um iconic shots because he was so good at the almost like his outdoor shots were almost like reportage but they were so beautiful they were staged but they they were so natural and then the studio shots yeah he was really an amazing mm -hmm. man I, I heard some amazing things about him too Were you in Cats, that yes, film? Yes, I was, yeah. How was that? Is that something you want to do more of, acting? I think so, yeah, definitely. I think I need to, obviously it needs to be like the right project. And I had to take such a lot of time off in the Royal Ballet. So obviously it was... Hard for Yeah, you. it was hard, definitely. But um, yeah, I would love to. I found it fascinating. Like, I loved it, but um, in a very different way. I Like, I missed... The live performances when I was there on the film set like I missed the feeling of performing live but I mean my career as a dancer may be short touch wood it goes on hopefully quite a bit longer um yeah but yeah touch I feel wood. like it's a lovely thing I hopefully can balance for a bit and then maybe focus on um if I'm lucky like a bit further mm. down the line when I'm you know my body is getting a bit tired no it's not you you've, you've got to keep going until there's live performances again and I can come and watch you. You've got to keep going, woman. <laughs> yeah, I think actually, honestly, the next thing, obviously, apart from I love the acting side of ballet as well. That's what I love. So definitely acting. But fashion is genuinely has always been the only other thing that kind of ignites that kind of, you know, like fire okay. in me. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm hesitant because I know that when you're in the fashion world, it's a very different thing from being like a happy observer or someone who, I feel really, I love the where I am with it right now. I feel like I'm sort of inside it enough to get some sort of, you know, as a fashion fan sort of thing, I, I can, I see how mm. it works and I've met people and, you know, going to the fashion shows and all this amazing stuff. But I know that once you sort of cross the line further, it becomes a very different thing. So yeah, I think it's something to think about. Mm. But so do you think maybe, like styling or which side or designing or what kind of ignites you the thing. most? I was thinking in lockdown of trying to do some kind of course on, I don't even know how you start that with designing, you know, like could I even, you know, to draw even the figures to start, you know, whipping up some creations. I mean, I can't sew, so that's not very good. So I can only sew ballet <laughs> shoes. <laughs> literally like Maybe you could be a cobbler. You could be a cobbler, <laughs> design shoes. Can you imagine? My second career is in a tiny shop in London, just mending shoes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's definitely something I'd like to think about is like maybe designing. But I think I love styling. I think I, that's what really excites me. And I not just love shopping for myself, but I love seeing things. And I've, you know, I think, oh, that would look amazing on someone else. Or I love this, but yeah. I wouldn't wear it. I can see it on my friends or, or like if I'm doing a shoot. I'm like, yeah. oh, what kind of vibe? What would I wear? Yeah, so you're, you're, you sound like me. I, I, I love dressing other people and I hate dressing myself. 
but it's just so much fun to dress, you know, friends or when I'm, you know, in the past when I was like dressing loads of women and stuff, it was, it was so great to the satisfaction and the rewards of, of literally changing someone's life because they felt so much better about themselves. And it's incredible power clothing has. I totally um, agree. You know, over men and yeah, women. I totally agree. Mm. Like anyone who tells me, or I feel like people still have, you know, this idea that fashion is silly, you know, like fashion is trivial and I totally disagree I think it's art it's like the power it can literally transform your day it can transform you um like even Mm. I'm not saying you have to even buy anything spectacular but even if you just find your style and what suits you what makes you feel good that's still whether that's a pair of you know horrible trousers and a t-shirt if that's what you feel good in then I believe that like how is that how is that trivial at all? And also I love, you know, and you know, everyone says, well, do you have any fashion regrets and things? And obviously like I, I look back at photos of myself and I think, oh my goodness, like what was that? But I also remember loving being in that at the time. Mm. So even though I think it's hideous now, like mm. I remember having a particularly good day because I remember I loved that top. You know, even back to when I was like four or five, I saw some pictures and I, I was like, oh, I used to love wearing that T-shirt, you know? Like, so I don't know. That's just, oh, I can't really regret it because I loved it at the time, so. <laughs> it's extraordinary the kind of emotional memories clothing brings up. So it's, you, like you say, it's so true. So you look at a picture or you look at a dress or an old old photograph and or you think, I, I'll take something out of my wardrobe that's down in the cellar and I'll pick it up. And I feel the emotions that I felt when I last wore it. It's so true that. And they, they provide a conduit for sort of triggering your memory for good times and bad times. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. The power of clothing is immense. So, Frankie, where did this love of um, fashion come from? Was it from your family or was, was it innate in the same way ballet My first, was? I mean, I suppose my first memories of fashion were probably like from watching films. Like, you used to love, like, Rear Window and seeing, like, Grace Kelly in her dresses and that. Just, like, waltzing into his Gorgeous. flat. Yeah. Also, that film's amazing right now. It's very relevant. That's what I feel like is, um, you know, when he's looking mm. across at the ballerina in her, doing her warm-up in her living room. And, like, that's, yes! that's the neighbours for me. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't know that glamorous, but anyway. <laughs> um but yeah, I think the first time, that's sort of my first memories was sort of watching like Audrey Hepburn and probably Grace Kelly and and those kinds of things. Um, and then my next one would be my grandma coming back on the train. She'd been up to London for the day. We lived in Sussex near Brighton. Yeah, so I was in the house there and I just remember her coming yeah. back in the evening um, off the train and and saying, oh, I thought you might like this. And it was, it was um, the beginning of the slippery slope, which is my addiction to magazines, like absolutely addicted um so yeah she had teen vogue and i just fell in love with it straight away and then that grew into even when i was you know really young vogue l you know all of them and i even have friends who i don't remember this but they tell me that um at the royal ballet school um, (laughs) in the evening we had to do our homework between seven and eight like you know very quiet like very serious um you know, like very concentrated, and that I would always have um, Vogue behind my math textbook, and I'd just be reading Vogue, and I'd never do my homework. <laughs> and then I'd be panicking the next day and asking if I could like copy someone's <laughs> homework because I was just reading Vogue. Oh my I god! I mean, also, I I think my grandma is probably my 
without realizing she's always been sort of like my style icon I mean I still pinch all her cardigans she has the best cardigans in the world um but also she she always taught me that literally you can never go wrong if you have a classic pair of mm. denim jeans and a really nice t-shirt like and you're pretty yeah. much you're pretty much get away with that for most occasions you know like I'm someone that tends to mm. dress down rather than dress up as you probably gathered but yeah mm. I always feel uneasy mm. in a situation I'd hate to be the person that walked in overdressed I'd rather be slightly embarrassed because I was more casual but classy yeah same <laughs> yeah same and do you always like before you go out walk out the door do you always put makeup on or do you not bother honestly I do I mean I'm usually sweat most of my makeup off anyway so there's not much point mm. but I just put a tiny bit of like two or something just to like you know make me look a bit less tired um a tiny bit of mascara tried and tested so that it doesn't sort of go everywhere um and if I can be bothered maybe like a light light foundation but that's kind of it that's mm. kind of it for the I evening as well I'm just lazy because I hate, I'm too lazy to go to the bathroom and do, you know, the checks and stuff. So even when I think if I do have an opportunity to wear like a bold lip, I never do because I just panic that, mm. you know, I'm not going to apply You're going to eat it off. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but you're lucky that you're naturally beautiful and you've got the most amazing skin. So, you. you know. So Frankie, you tra you've traveled the globe extensively I would imagine and um, have you have you got something which is like your comfort blanket that goes with you everywhere? Quite literal I take I have a, a toy rabbit called Hattie like she's like a teddy bear Well, Hattie? Hattie like Harriet but Hattie oh yeah. Hattie okay so she, she's yeah literally I've had her since I was okay. two years old and she has to be literally like when I say next to me on the plane it's so that if there was an emergency where you know they say you can't grab your bags or I'm, I'm already, I have my passport mm -hmm. and Hattie and they're going to be strapped to me in two seconds and I'm jumping off the plane with them. So so that's my literal comfort blanket. And then um, my other one would probably be um, T-shirt dresses. I just think when you're traveling, like we, we basically yeah. can't always presume that we're going to have a shower in the theater either. Like at the Opera House, we obviously have, you know, great, you know, we have showers and everything. We're very clean at the Opera House. Mm. But when we're in Japan or like Taiwan and the humidity, you just have to presume that when you step out of the hotel, you're going to feel disgusting for the rest of the day. Then you do a show with makeup yeah. on without a shower and then you'll probably go and eat afterwards. So you have to have stuff that you can chuck in a laundrette really quickly and not be precious about and just long baggy t-shirt dresses. They're going to stick to you and, you know, that's it. It's not glamorous life. <laughs> it really isn't. It really isn't. But when you do have glamorous moments... Um, so let's say, if, I mean, like for the premiere of Cats or something, when you, you if you want a birthday suit, what would you wear? What would be the outfit or the dress that would make you feel a million dollars? I mean, I think it would honestly be actually white for the Cats premiere, gorgeous beaded, like white new new dress. Um, but I think I would go with like, I love like caftan sleeves. I feel like Frida Kahlo-esque kind of with more bling, like I would... I don't know, something with big sleeves. Caftans! Like, I just love that kind of vibe. That's how I think I'm going to grow old, just in, like, lots of gold jewellery and big embroidered caftans, like, with, with kimono-esque sleeves. But, but you will be drowning in fabric because you're so, you're so petite and delicate. Caftans, you disappear inside them. They'd be wearing you, Frankie. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd maybe, like, fit them to my waist or something. You'd be able to see my waist, and I just feel quite fabulous. Okay, so you love kind of um, texture and prints and quite bold colours. 
when you're not wearing black? No. Okay, so what colour are these kaftans going to be, for God's sake? Okay, let, let, let me change it. Maybe more kimonos, like big, big sort of like kimono-esque okay, so, kind of gown. Okay, so you want to disappear entirely inside your kimono. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see my neck and my... <laughs> my head and my wrist flipping insane <laughs> and then just nothing else <laughs> that is just the weirdest thing i have ever heard 28 year old beautiful girl with a kind of like the perfect creature wants to obliterate herself inside a kimono all being they are the most beautiful things but not for you you're insane <laughs> You're funny. Okay, maybe when I get to that point, I'll consult you for style advice. I kind of drawn towards men's clothes as well, unfortunately. But I think that's good for you. So yeah. Maybe if I can find a more chic. Version. But I think that's really nice. I think that women who who are very feminine in themselves and the way they carry themselves and the what their features look much better in androgynous clothes than women who are already quite athletic and masculine in their build. What's the most you've ever spent on an item of clothing? I can't even think. I've had lots of guilty okay, moments. What's the, okay, come on, spit it. I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. I'm trying to Mine think. is really bad. Okay, sh okay I'll you tell, tell you yours first. I'm, I'm actually really ashamed about this. But I was when I was pregnant, <laughs> okay, I was heavily pregnant, and so I couldn't buy anything. And it was in the t at the times when Trini and I... I'll be honest, we were making shitloads of money then. And um, <laughs> so I went into Prada and there was this scarf, because I couldn't fit into anything because I was so fat and pregnant. There was this scarf, this ermine scarf. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping, I think it was like reconstituted. You know, it was, it was vintage and it was taken and remade. The scarf on the sweater. And um, I hope my husband can't hear this. But it was... Um, <laughs> I think it was about just for a scarf. Okay, guess how much a scarf was? How much I paid for a scarf from Prada? Thousands. From Prada. Thousand. Okay. Three thousand pounds. Three thousand pounds. Okay. <laughs> that is crazy. What? Yeah. You, I mean, I'm hoping that there's like pregnancy hormones. What was I thinking? And now I don't want to wear it because I look at it and I'm thinking, oh, those poor little baby, you know, little animals. And, um, but yeah, so that, that was my, that's my guilty secret. So now tell me yours. Oh, and I bought a baby's hat for my son when he was like a floral one, poor Joe. I was trying to turn him gay. And um, he, I bought him a little bonnet, which I think, cost, just a little cotton bonnet in a Liberty print. And I think that cost about £140. That's my other, yeah, and I told my husband that it cost five pounds from Gap. Okay, so now you can share. Now you can share, tell me. Okay, I think the worst was um, probably the my Bottega Benita handbag. Okay. And I, I went into the store and it was like, that they was like, there's, then they don't exist. But there might be one being made in Milan, they said. So if you pay for it now, it's yours because the, the waiting list was like, you know, 500 people. Um, and I came in looking so horribly scruffy. I was I was even ashamed to walk in um, <laughs> as I did. And then I, I think they just realised that I was genuinely just a nice girl that was like, you know, not going to be annoying. I was just discreetly asking. Um, and so they kind of like, okay, we'll help you out here. <laughs> so yeah, I paid a lot for that. Um, but I wear it every day, to be fair. Okay. Every day. So that was that more than a secondhand car? 
Um, I think it was only two thousand pounds. Okay, that's quite a lot for a bag. So. But you're right. But that is an in fact that's an investment. I think bags are investments. It'll last you forever. And if you ever one day have children, that's something, and you have a daughter or a boy like mine who I tried to turn gay, you can pass on your bags. All right, my darling. Well, it's been so lovely to talk to you. And I, I wish we could talk more about ballet because I've got so many questions I I want to ask you. And um, Well, please, please. I'm going to make sure you're invited as soon as we're open. Oh, yeah, I would really would love to. And I'm on stage. Yeah, I bet you're missing yeah. it so much. Um, and I hopefully, fingers crossed, you'll get back there soon. But you're gorgeous, Frankie. Thank you, Thank you so much. It's been really Thank lovely so talking much. to you. Such a pleasure talking to Bye. you. Thank you very much. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.